Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all things we are more, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Please be seated. Provide an outline for your use this morning. And hope that you'll find that helpful as we look at God's Word together. I want you to use your imagination this morning. Um, I want you to imagine that you are, once again, a little child. You're seven, eight, nine years of age. And you're spending the day with your daddy. Now, I hope that's a, a positive image. I know that sometimes it's not, but just go with me here. You're spending the day with your daddy, and it's a beautiful day. You're in the park. Your daddy is holding your hand, and in his hands you feel secure and happy, contented. You're not afraid of anything. There's nothing better than spending the day with your dad. Now, imagine that as you're walking along the park, some thugs jump out, from behind the bushes. And they run over to you, and they take your other hand that's not holding your daddy's hand, and they try to pull you away from your daddy. And they're pulling, and they're tugging at you. They're doing their dead-level best to separate you from your daddy. Now, just let your mind go there, and... That's a pretty frightening dilemma for a little child. I want to suggest to you that what you just imagined figuratively is what is actually, in fact, happening to you spiritually almost on a daily basis. You see, the moment you start walking with God as your heavenly Father, and your hand is in God's hand, and God's got you, He's got you in His grip, the moment you start walking life in your relationship with your heavenly Father, from that moment on, there are circumstances There are experiences, there are maybe, unfortunately, even people who will do their best to try to pull you away from your father, who will try to separate you from that sense of security and peace and confidence that you have as you're walking life with your heavenly father. Those circumstances, those experiences come in the form of um, 
suffering or financial hardship. It might be a, a diagnosis of a fatal disease. It might be the loss of a loved one. Uh, it might be doubt. It might be fear. It, it might be any number of, of devastating things like the depression. It could be any number of things. And the goal of those things is to crush you, to gain power over you, and to pull you away and separate you from your father. But here's what we need to understand. God has designed us so that regardless of what those things try to do, we are designed and we are created to prevail over them. And not just to prevail, but to come out stronger on the other side. Here's how Paul describes it in the passage we just read a moment ago. So let's look at it again. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all of these, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither present nor future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation. He is covering all the bases here nor anything in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, let me, if you will, paraphrase what Paul is saying here. He's saying that when your faith is rooted in Jesus Christ, when your life is securely in, in the relationship with Jesus Christ, you are going to prevail over anything and everything that seeks to derail you and defeat you because none of those things are going to be strong enough or bad enough or fierce enough to separate you from the love of God. Now, that's a truth that all of us need to remember every day. But that's a truth that maybe some of us, particularly today, need to grab hold of because we find ourselves, quite honestly, at a point in time where uh, we're experiencing some kind of suffering. And it's about to just destroy us. Or we're, something's going on in our lives. It's about to break us. And, and we need to know that we're designed as believers to prevail. So, Beginning this morning, we're launching a series of passages, a series of messages entitled Prevail, with the subtopic, Coming Out Stronger on the Other Side. And what we're going to do over the next four or five Sundays is we're going to look at those circumstances, those experiences, whatever, that do their best to enter our lives, separate us, from our Father. This morning, we're going to look at the first, which is probably the most fierce of all, and that is suffering. If you've currently gone through suffering, if you're, in currently, if you're experiencing some type of suffering right now, you know its potential power to overwhelm you. You know its potential influence to, to discourage you and to break you. 
And so whether you, you, you're there right now or whether you were there in the past, I promise you, sadly, if you haven't yet, you will at some point experience suffering. And you're going to experience its power. However, this is God's house. And in God's house, we discover how to prevail. So that's what I want you to think about this morning. Now, if we were to look at all through the Bible, finding an example of suffering, the poster child for suffering in the Bible would have to be a fellow by the name of Job. There's a whole book about Job in the Bible. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you uh, to look at the, the text even now because we're going to take a look at some of the passages. So the easy way to find the book of Job is take your Bible, open it in half, and where there you'll be at the Psalms, closer, a little bit, probably right there at Psalms. Go back one book prior to Psalms, and you'll find the book of Job. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd encourage you to do that uh, even now. A little background about Job. The Bible tells us that Job was a righteous man who feared God, and shunned evil. In other words, Job was a man whose heart was sold out for God. I mean, he was living the exemplary life. He was loving God. He was shunning evil. Uh, There was nothing lukewarm about Job's commitment to God. He was rock solid. He was a family man. He had uh, seven sons and three daughters. They loved him. He loved them. Uh, they all lived in close proximity to one another. They, they were like the perfect family. He was a very successful businessman and respected as one of the greatest leaders in the region. Uh, he was wealthy. Uh, he was loved by everybody. He was respected. I mean, he had it all. As a matter of fact, if you had to pick a Bible character that you might want to be, it would be Job. Because he was living this wonderfully incredible, wonderful life up until now. And in the book of Job, it's just littered with example after example after example of how Job suffered. One day Job's life turns upside down. It's just thrown into chaos. He gets word that mercenaries have attacked his fields and killed all of his workers, hundreds of them. Not only that, they have stolen his 10,000 livestock. Cows, donkeys, and camels. Not long after that, a storm comes. Tornadoes, strong winds destroy the house of his oldest son, where all of his sons and all of his daughters happened to be at the time. So all of his children, grandchildren, killed instantly. He's still trying to deal with the trauma of all of that when he detracts some kind of illness and his body just breaks out in all kind of nasty, painful sores from head to toe. His wife, understandably, becomes depressed in the face of all of this suffering. And she tries to tell Job that he would be a fool to continue to believe in God and trust in God 
under these circumstances. And so his wife says, Job, curse God and die. Let's just bring an end to all this suffering. It's not worth it. But in spite of all that, and this is the amazing thing, in spite of all the suffering that Job endured, the story is that Job prevailed. He didn't give up. He made it through. And in spite of everything that happened, as Job's life went on, God blessed him again, restored all that he had lost, so that his life returned years later to to a wonderful, happy, joyful life. So much so to the point that the last verse of the last chapter of the book of Job says this. Then Job died, old and satisfied. Hardly the way you would have thought his life would end it simply based on what he had experienced earlier. So, what was Job's secret? How did he prevail in the face of suffering? But more importantly, what can we learn from Job's example that can help us prevail? I want to just mention real quickly four observations about Job's response to his suffering that provide the, the secret as to how he prevailed and how you and I can. First is this. Job decided to worship in the time of suffering. He worshiped God in the time of suffering. Look at verse one, uh, chapter 1, verses 20 and 22. At hearing this, Job got up, tore off his robe, and shaved his head, a universal symbol of just extreme uh, anguish and pain and sorrow. Shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. He says, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. When suffering was trying to separate him from God, what does he do? He runs to God and worships God. Now, you know, for a lot of us, the last thing we're inclined to do when we go through some horrible suffering is is to worship God. You know, we might want to curse God. We might want to lash out at God. We might want to turn and walk away and never have anything else to do with God. But his response was that he worshipped God. Now, there's nothing in this passage that says that Job felt like worshipping God. So don't think that he just worshipped because that's what he felt like doing. He worshipped God because he knew that he needed worship that if he had any hope of staying connected to the God that had been his source of strength and hope, if he had any hope of staying connected to that God, it was going to be through worship. Young, uh, in my younger days, uh, pastoring my first church, there was a young couple who 
was new to marriage and new to the faith. They had just joined the church a couple of months before uh, this this happened. And um, when when this happened, I, I just wondered what what how they would deal with it. Young couple, their first child, the baby was two, maybe three months old. And they lost the baby from SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. That one night they just put their little baby in the crib, everything was fine. They wake up the next morning, the baby's dead. And they won't forget sitting in that in their living room with this couple, uh, waiting as the EMTs took care of the child and then came out and told these young parents that there was nothing they could do. The baby had been dead for too long. And you could have felt the anguish and the emotional pain in that, in that room. It was tangible. And I remember how helpless I felt to, to be able to say anything to that young couple that could make any uh, lessen their pain in any way. And so I just sat there with them, and, and we prayed together. And as we were waiting for uh, the, the EMTs to, to wrap up their work and filling out paperwork and everything, I, I began to wonder in my spirit how this young couple was going to respond. I mean, here they were, brand new to the faith, brand new to the church, and I wouldn't have been the least bit surprised if they had decided that because of this they were going to turn and get as far away from church and anything related to church as they possibly could. And I was kind of preparing for that. But you know what? That didn't happen. In an amazing display of of, of faith and trust in God, they poured themselves into worship. They didn't feel like going to worship. Their hearts were still breaking. But but somehow they knew that if their marriage was going to survive, if there was going to be any emotional healing in their hearts from this tragedy, that was something only God would be able to do. And worship, if nothing else, would keep them connected to to God. And so that's what they did. And so in the months that followed, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, they were always there, and God honored that. And because they were in worship during that season of struggle, on a weekly basis, they were exposing themselves to hear and be reminded of the powerful truths of God. And they were embraced, they were found themselves immersed in a community of believers where on a weekly basis, or even more, there were brothers and sisters in Christ there to love them and to cry with them and to hold their hand and to be with them through their struggle. And it was as a result of pouring themselves into worship that they made it through that season of suffering. But not only worship, that even led to more. They became uh, two of the most active, loyal participants in the Emmaus community of where we were serving at the time. And if you talk to them today, you know, they, they will tell you that the worship of God saved their life and enabled them to prevail in their time of loss. Listen, when you're suffering, when, when there are forces that are seeking to, to rip you from God, and to separate you from your Father, 
You can prevail. They prevail. Because they found strength in the worship of God. Listen, if your car is stalling out and is not running properly, the best place for it to be is in the shop where a skilled mechanic can do whatever needs to be done to get it running properly again. If your body is diseased and broken down because of some illness, the best place for the body to be is in the hospital where a skilled physician can assess the situation and give the appropriate treatment. If your life and your spirit is breaking because of some suffering that has knocked the wind out of your sails, the best place for your life to be is in the house of God, where you're going to experience the power of God, the truth of God, and be in a place where you can encounter the Spirit of God on a regular basis. If you want to prevail, pour yourself into worship. All right, secondly, Job prevailed in his suffering because he refrained from blaming God for his suffering. Look at chapter 1, verse 22. In all of this, Job, the passage says, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. He didn't charge God with wrongdoing. He didn't blame God. When, when bad things happen to us, we instinctively look for someone or something to blame. It doesn't change anything. The suffering is still there, but there's just something about our human nature is that we look for someone or something to blame. And if we can't find anyone to blame or anything to blame, our default is we're prone to blame God. If we lose our job, if a family member dies unexpectedly, uh, if floods come and ravage our houses, whatever, we blame God. But is that really fair? Earlier in the passage in Romans, Paul, speaking to the believers there at the church in Rome, says this. Brothers and sisters, listen, we know that God works in all things for the good, for the ones who love him. Now, that does not mean that God causes bad things to happen. But it means that God, living in a person's heart, guiding a person's life, can take whatever happens, how horrible it might be, and as only he can, can turn it into something that is redemptive. That something good or positive might come out of it if we trust in him. Now, when we know that, when we view suffering from that perspective, we find that our inclination is not to blame God, 
but rather to look to God for how God might be working in the situation, whatever it is. I mentioned earlier the the people who are experiencing suffering due to the floods down in Louisiana. Uh, Unimaginable uh, what they're experiencing. But I guarantee you this, a lot of the folks whose homes are flooded are going to blame God. And they're going to get angry at God. And they're going to lash out at God. And they may even leave God. There's another group of people who, rather than blaming God, are going to, as a matter of of prayer and and trust in God, are going to be looking for how God can use them in this experience to to grow or deepen their faith or, or whatever. I guarantee you, a year from now, the folks who opted to blame God will probably still be underneath the emotional burden of their suffering. The people who rather choose to look to God, how God might work in their lives through this, are going to be well on their way to being stronger and emotionally healing. Look look at Job. What would have happened had Job response been to blame God? If he blamed God, then blaming God would have led to anger at God. Anger at God would have led to resentment toward God. Resentment toward God would have led to walking away from God. Walking away from God would have led to abandoning the very source of your strength in life. Abandoning the very source of strength in your life would have led to being all alone in the midst of your suffering and most likely being overwhelmed and crushed by it. But he chose not to blame God, but rather to look for God in the midst of the suffering. That's what you and I need to do. And we too can prevail. Moving on here, number three. He trusted God's character and truth even when he couldn't see it or feel it. He trusted in God's character and truth even when he couldn't see it or feel it. Chapter 19, verse 25. Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives. He didn't say, I hope my Redeemer lives. He didn't say, I think my Redeemer lives. There was no equivocation here. I know my Redeemer lives. And along with that, I know that God is, God will be, God is with me, God's not going to abandon me. I know He placed his faith and his trust in God's character and God's nature when he couldn't see it or understand it. Job knew something very important about faith that you and I would do well to understand. Job knew that faith 
cannot be based on feelings about God, but has to be based on facts about God. For example, suppose I say to you, isn't it wonderful today? Today, it feels like Sunday. Oh, I just love the feeling of Sunday. Can, can you feel it this morning? Can, can you feel it? And we get all excited. Today, we, it feels like Sunday. We might even break out into singing. Today is Sunday. Today is Sunday. Today is Sunday. Why? Oh, oh, it's so wonderful. I feel that today is Sunday. Well, here's a question for you. What if you don't feel it? It's Sunday anyway. The fact that today is Sunday is fact and has nothing to do with whether we feel it or not. It doesn't change the reality. Now, and sometimes feelings can get real confusing because sometimes, you know, a holiday gets thrown into the mix and it feels like Monday, but it's actually Tuesday. So, you see, you've got to be careful about feelings. That God reigns and is all-powerful and is sovereign over the world is fact whether I feel it at the moment or not. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for my salvation, that rose and is alive today, is fact, whether I feel it or not. And so faith that enables us to prevail is the kind of faith that Job displays when he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. I don't feel it. I don't sense his presence right now. But I know it's rooted in fact. He trusted the character of God even when he couldn't see it or feel it. His faith was based on the fact of who God is God's character and God's nature, whether he presently at the moment could feel it or not. His feelings were in the tank. So he turned to focus on the fact of who God is. As I was thinking about Job, I I thought about an acronym for faith that I'd never seen before, but uh, I, I think it has a lot of merit, particularly in this situation. I've seen lots of other acronyms for faith, but not this one. Here's here's what faith is. Forging ahead in trust and hope. Forging ahead, whether you want to or not, whether you feel like it or not, whether you believe it or not, forging ahead in trust and hope. That's what Job did. That's why he prevailed. Then finally, He stayed in God's Word. He stayed in God's Word. Chapter 23, verse 12 says, I have treasured the words of His mouth more than my daily bread. 
in the darkest times, in the darkest seasons of his life, when he was overwhelmed, overcome with suffering. He understood that feeding his spirit was perhaps even more important than feeding his body. And because he fed his spirit, because he stayed in God's word and he treasured God's word, it kept him alive. It kept him from giving up. Why is staying in God's word so important for you and me? in times of suffering. It's because it exposes us to the most powerful truths in all the world. It reminds us of the most important messages that we need to hear from God himself. And we're, when we're in the throes of suffering, we can, we can turn to the local paper and read some article, or we can turn on the evening news and, and listen to, to the anchors talk about what's going on in the world. Or we can go and be spend time in God's Word and we'll be exposed to these kinds of truths. In this world you will have tribulation, Jesus says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We know that in all things God works together for good for those who love him. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. When we stay in God's word, we're reinforced with, the, with those messages. And we're reminded that in our hands we hold the greatest, most powerful words that have ever been spoken. In, in our hands we have the keys to experiencing life here most fully, and we have literally the keys of heaven itself. And in our hands, we have the word of God, which is second only to having our hands in the hand of God himself. And powerful things happen that enable us to prevail when we choose to live here. And surround ourselves with that environment where we hear his truth and experience his power. This morning, because I've talked to a lot of people and I understand that, you know, that life is seldom easy, more often than not, it has a tendency to be hard and challenging and I know there's lots of suffering going on right now. Um, some of you are uh, feeling that those forces are just about ready to succeed in separating you from your Father. And your spirit is just barely hanging on. I, I want to say to you that if anybody can prevail 
in horrific suffering as Job did. Job was not some angel. Job was a human being, a man who bleeds red and who, you know, just like you and me. But he possessed within himself a proper faith in God. And he prevailed. You can prevail too. But not only prevail, prevail in such a way that you come out stronger on the other side. I pray that for all of you. Especially for those who this morning most desperately need to hear it. Let's pray together. Oh God, um, to be perfectly honest, it was a struggle for some of us to, to make it to your house today because there are things happening in our spirits and in our lives that are pulling us away from you. But Lord, we're here and uh, we're grateful for that. And Lord, just pray that uh, you and your spirit will invade any heart this morning that is about ready to just throw in the towel and to say, I'm done. I'm done with Christ. I'm done with God. I'm done with belief. It's just nothing to it. Oh, God, um, guard that person from succumbing to what suffering is seeking to do. And So, Father, I just pray that your spirit will breathe into every troubled breast and heart this morning. Your peace, your power, your presence in such a way that uh, they will begin to experience and claim the reality that they are designed to prevail. And nothing is strong enough or bad enough or pervasive enough that it can separate them from you. And Father, I just pray that you begin your work of healing and strengthening any this morning who find themselves in a season of suffering, whatever it is. And that you would bring them through stronger on the other side. In the name and spirit of Christ, we pray. Amen.